Hello, and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to review the piss-poor post-apocalyptic movies so that you don't have to. <laughs> My name is Ash, and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Hello. We are back once again, post-lockdown, post-apocalypse. <laughs> um, so, as I mentioned there, we are going to be reviewing post-apocalyptic films because although we obviously have recorded episodes during lockdown and between the lockdowns feels a little bit different this time i hope mm. and uh, like we have actually gone through the apocalypse and are coming out so yeah. i um ha- i did a bit of research wanted to do this for a, for a while and we're going to review two films that are pretty much cheap mad max ripoffs she wolves of the wasteland and hell comes to frogtown are both from 1988 so the last episode we recorded was eight months ago yeah. <laughs> but halloween october wasn't um it? it was october this last episode we recorded together that was uh, deep rising and uh, ghost ship mm. spooky uh, nautical movies <laughs> uh, if you missed that i mean it's the middle of summer now you probably don't want to be listening to a halloween episode but it's out there and a couple of months ago i put together a best of volume one episode of schlock tactics to keep you going so they're both out there now on all the all the podcast services and on YouTube as well. So check that out if you missed those. But we are back again today to talk post-apocalyptic movies. So first of all, we are going to be talking about She-Wolves of the Wasteland, also known as Phoenix the Warrior, which is nowhere near as good a title, I don't think. Oh, I didn't know um, that it had a Yeah, title. on IMDb it's called <laughs> Phoenix the Warrior, which sounds crap. I mean, yeah. especially if they're trying to get like horny men to watch it, which they clearly are. <laughs> um, she Wolves of the Wasteland is is pretty awesome name. This one is directed by someone called Robert Hayes, who really didn't do anything else after this or before. Uh, it stars a bunch of models and Playboy playmates, <laughs> um, as you probably could could guess by the performances. It does star someone called Persis Kambata, who was an Indian model and was also in a Star Trek film before this, so that's her her cachet. And someone else called Kathleen Kinmont, who was in a bunch of horror films. She was in a Halloween film and uh, one of the reanimator films, I think, as well. So, And then one of the other main stars was literally just the Playboy model. <laughs> no acting You probably experience. can guess which one that is, but yeah, yeah. we'll get into it. <laughs> so the IMDb, the score is 3.7 out of 10. Pretty bad. Fairly low, yeah. Um, The synopsis on IMDb. Big hair, big guns, big personalities, and a serious lack of wardrobe. (laughs) She-Wolves of the Wasteland, a post-apocalyptic story that features women, lots and lots of women, (laughs) who leave little to the imagination as they battle each other in various junkyards and gravel pits to determine the fate of the entire world. Mm. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, both of these films, whilst not only being Mad Max clones, are also very um, strongly themed around um, fertility, procreation. Misogyny. Um, of course, misogyny, <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's the main ingredient, I would say, to both of these films. But they are all fixated on, um, you know, it being the end, uh, post, post the end of the world and us needing to... Um, uh, to reproduce and whether that be the job of the the men or the women that's to be determined mm-hmm. this one opens up with you know some moody 80s synth over the credits we get a brief kind of backstory which explains you know that the end of the world happened and there was a bacterial plague uh, which gave birth to a new race of women so this mm-hmm. one in this one actually women do rule the earth kind of in both both films women rule the earth but in a really like naff sexist yeah. way as you say yeah you get <laughs> you get your um your cliche post-apocalyptic prologue at mm-hmm. the beginning just about how everything's gone to shit everything's and there's gone no, to shit yeah yeah but both of these films have a weird sort of yeah twist on it being that um most of the men on earth has died out um and are seen as being quite rare now and it's all women who are in charge if i think the tagline for this film was women rule <laughs> <laughs> just, just that, just that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just great and the poster if you look it up on imdb is um is hilarious hand-drawn sort of um barbarian busty women so yeah that's that's the basic stock um explanation for the end of the world you know mm-hmm. there really there's a main character here called the reverend mother who is the sort of architect of the uh, the superhuman women that race of women and she's this kind of wizened old hag that has like just random tubes sticking out of her head and lots of prosthetic makeup to make her look like lumpy 
So the suggestion is that she was like the last woman on Earth and then she gave birth to lots of these other women that are in the film and that's that's uh, how she did that and now she um she really sends the women out into the wasteland to capture men so they can she can kind of hold them captive and essentially milk them for their jizz yeah what was was the kind of suggestion as i think one of the characters does does refer to it as the sperm bank so yeah (laughs) we get various scenes set in this space which is effectively just this woman sitting on a chair surrounded by like sheet plastic they couldn't be asked to really make a decent interior, like lab set or anything. It's just she sits in sheet plastic. Oh, it's very low yeah. budget. This film, like Super. remarkably, yeah. <laughs> as as Mad Max was, to be fair. Yeah, but this is extreme. Yeah. When a, when a, when a film that's made for as much money as Mad Max was makes so much money, it's inevitable that people are going to have a go with themselves. Yeah. So, hang on, I've got a battered old car or a beach buggy, <sighs> and we live near like Nevada or something. We can go out into the desert and sort of you know. Flip this sand uh, dune buggy (laughs) over, and yeah, just get some sort of cheap replica guns, and yeah, if I just get a bunch of like busty women to fire them, yeah, a lot of people will be into that, and (laughs) and, you know, maybe they were. She needs a male sacrifice, and then we're introduced to uh, Phoenix herself, the title character played by uh, Kathleen Kinmont. She has a really fantastic um, entrance. She comes in and throws an apple in the air, and then shoots two other women. And then catches the apple. Did you notice how enormous this apple was, by the way? Like, I didn't, yeah, no. She just takes a bite of it. It's about the size of her face. Like, maybe she's just yeah. small. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's a post-apocalyptic apple with, like, yeah, radiation. Yeah, mutated. Yeah, yeah, like Fallout. It's got rads. <laughs> um, she's referred to as the sand trapper by the other sort of um, badass women that are hanging out in this kind of shanty town. Um, there's some great character names in this film. Like, Phoenix is probably the weakest one. But she mentions that she also, I've killed Riptide and Whiplash. <laughs> it's like the running man names, you know, yeah. I thought, oh, it's great. Why didn't they keep those characters in the in the? Yeah, real th- in why the didn't film? they call her Whiplash? That yeah. would have been better than Phoenix. <laughs> but she rises from the ashes, I get it. Uh, she is hunted into the desert, and um, it's just this time she sort of teams up with a character called Keela. Now this is played by the Playboy model. This is the woman she has to protect, and she instantly, you can tell, is going to be the worst actor in this film. <laughs> Her dialogue is just like, just an idiot, that, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like a, a girl from like the valleys of California or something. Just like no acting experience, mm. doesn't know what what's going on, and is just like delivering it in the most awkward and shrill way. She is kind of terrible. And it makes the other actors look great, actually. The sort of B-movie veterans look fantastic when they're dealing with her. If she wasn't the model, she would not have got paid to have been in this No, no. I think she was the Playboy Playmate of the month after this. But she must have been... I I think you have to build up to that. Hmm. You don't just get to be the Playmate of the month. Surely you have to level up first. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think she says, I'm with child. A male child. In that sort of delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's why all the bounty hunters are being sent after her by the Reverend Mother, because a, a, a child is rare, a male child, very rare. So that's the kind of uh, the whole setup here. The bounty hunters is cut every now and then to these sort of group of bounty hunters that are in this beach buggy, and um, they they fight each other. So every now and then they fall out, and the the fight scenes are just really terribly coordinated yeah like the kicks just don't come anywhere near the face of the other person the punches are like a mile off and they're yeah. just hitting the sound effects pure, pure. terrible choreography. R- really terrible fight. uh yeah fight um coordination mm. now we uh phoenix and keeler they find a nice waterfall which to my surprise because i was watching this on youtube was full of beautiful topless models <laughs> <laughs> Now, if yeah, if you're listening and you want to see this film, it is on YouTube and there are boobies in it. So. And it's not brief either. It goes, <laughs> it's sort of cut away to the waterfall and then it will come back to the woman yeah. again. In 1988, you couldn't get boobs on the internet, so you had to make do with with whatever you know. So, now yeah. they're on YouTube. Now boobs, you you boob, yeah, yeah. Boob, boobs are on YouTube. Boob tube. <laughs> so if you want to watch this film, it is on YouTube, and if you want boobs, they're also on YouTube. The models sort of seem to form part of this sort of topless tribe um, that live out in the in the desert, and they're delighted. They seem delighted that these two women have found them, 
and they take them into their camp and then all of a sudden Keela gives birth to the um to the child that she that she's mentioned while various topless women dance around her, which is mm. kind of an awkward yeah. scene. Um, <laughs> she's screaming her head off and giving birth, and there's just... Yeah, the, I didn't like the um, the combination of that with, with boobs. I'm yeah, it was a bit odd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, it's a boy! The, the, the Reverend Mother sort of sits up, it's a boy! Yeah. And then she's supposedly miles away, and she just knows, she knows it's happened. It's around this time that one of the women says, men screwed up the world once and they'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> these are these sort of um, yeah, anti, anti-male characters here in this topless tribe. Maybe that's why they get their boobs out yeah. in protest. You know, they burn their brows. <laughs> we can know. do what we want. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's, uh, yeah, the sort of um, quite vague political um, leanings of, of some of these characters. You yeah. Know. Uh, but then there's a firefight between the bounty hunters and these these um, topless women kind of a weird mix of um, some of them have guns and some of them have knives and yeah. they're quite mismatched so it'd be like someone's like ah you know threatening them with a knife and the one just pulls out a gun and shoots them like game over you know like a much bigger gun they're quite big guns yeah. as well like. <laughs> you're talking about the firearms <laughs> oh that took me a second <laughs> uh, talking about boobs yeah. so yeah again very mismatched very poorly coordinated like oh my god she's got a knife I've got a rifle. I've killed you. Oh. Well, that's the end of that then, isn't it? <laughs> Move on. I think the uh, main character here, played by Persis Gambata, is called Cobalt. She's the sort of head villain, other than the Reverend Mother. And she has a bit of a thing for slicing people's ears off and keeping mm. them as a as a treasure, which reminded me a little bit of um, Universal Soldier. I think it's Dolph Lundgren's character in that wears a necklace of ears when ah. he's in like Vietnam or something, and that's yeah. like what makes him... Uh, terrible soldier um so she likes to cut off people's ears it's pretty cool there's a very jarring time jump here i'm sure you were equally confused as i was the next very next scene um phoenix and keela are accompanied just by like a a boy who looks to be about seven years old yeah uh, what's happened here <laughs> she only just gave birth to him no no yeah. text on the screen to say no five years later nothing like that i just had to um, assume that this had moved on. <laughs> yeah, and eventually, one of the characters says, "But, but no one has seen us in five years. How will we ever sneak into this shanty town?" And yeah. you're like, "Right, okay. You may, maybe you could have led with that. You yeah, know, like five years later, it's confusing. Maybe they just couldn't be bothered to put in like a kind of yeah. text. Every, everyone's wearing exactly the same thing as they wore five mm. years ago. Yeah, they go back into this sort of shanty town where uh, where she had the massive apple earlier, and yeah. um. They need to go into the Badlands. Of course, there are Badlands in this film, and that's that's where they need to go uh, to be safe. They find an old shack along the way that's got like a pre-war porno mag in it. Um, <laughs> I think this is maybe the best scene of the film. They're, they're sleeping, and they're woken up by this sort of person in a gas mask. He takes off the gas mask. Oh, my God, it's a man. <laughs> a man with a moustache. <laughs> the only um, man in the... Well, except the boy. But, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> up, up until now, the only like male, a fully grown male that we've yeah. seen. So they're like, oh my God. Straight away, Phoenix grabs him by the dick <laughs> and says, is he a man? He sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Thus begins this weird running joke. And, you know, there's a similar one in, in the other film. Where um, she's just constantly referring to his to his dick, and um, they knock him out just to make sure he's not uh, gonna gonna attack them. And then she 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 becomes disappointed that he's flaccid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and re- from here on out begins this weird running joke of her saying, "Oh, I broke him. Oh, I broke his yeah. equipment, his gear, or something like that." Um, Oh no, you know, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I, I destroyed his erection forever, <laughs> you know. Um, so this becomes a, a weird running joke. But um, they are able to escape from Cobalt and the bounty hunters through this sort of tunnel in this shack. Uh, but they capture Phoenix. It's quite a cool scene where one of the bounty hunters is investigating the shack and finds like a little music box that plays Pop Goes the Weasel. Mm. Um, and when it gets to the end of its, of the song, the whole shack explodes. Did you notice that that's very similar to the little wind-up thing that the that guy from Mad Max Two has the um, yes. feral 
man thing also has a wind up. Yes, IMDb and, did point that out. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forgot to say you've you've watched the Mad Max films very recently, haven't you? In lockdown, um, more yeah. recently than I have. Yeah. Was that for the first time? Or? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Well, the trilogy. I, I'd seen Fury Road before, yeah, but, but I'd never trilogy. actually seen the trilogy yeah. until a few months ago. So you're fresh off the Mad Max trilogy, yeah. so you can see all of these obvious. Um, you know, like parallels, yeah. Rip, rip offs, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Phoenix ends up in a prison, which is like it's like a women's prison, uh, where all these people are sort of mean mugging each other, and they've got to await the pit. Um, so this is every post-apocalyptic film or game has this sort of Roman uh, gladiator gladiator combat sort of yeah. thing, where people must fight against each other to to survive. This is like Thunderdome. Yeah, it's thing, that's what I wrote down. There's it's no a, dome. It's a very low budget Thunderdome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's no roof. No, uh, it's just a sort of a patch of dirt with some rough barbed wire around it. And that's yeah. it. Uh, it's a. I wrote shit Thunderdome, but with swords and shields. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's this character called Mohawk who's pretty funny. She, uh, I think she comes on to Phoenix in the in the brief women's prison segment and is is rejected. So she, um, she says, "I'm going to teach that cunt some manners." Yeah. <laughs> Again, doesn't expect to see on YouTube someone calling each other. A cunt. I just wasn't expecting the c word at that point. No, so. I mean you've got your tits. I mean, I got, they're not trying to get any rating in no. cinemas, are they? So you know they can do what they want. But yeah, like, quite unnecessary, I would say. <laughs> There's lots of axe swinging um, to facilitate titty swinging. <laughs> uh, you know, the axe jiggles, the boobs jiggle. Yeah, I get it. Phoenix has to run the gauntlet until uh, Keela sort of turns up and busts her out of prison. Keela and this man that they find end up fucking. And um, she sort of climbs onto him by the campfire, puts her hand down his trousers and is like, you're not broken. Like, <laughs> yeah. I guess not. You know, <laughs> delighted that he's got a boner. You know, it's like um, it's a big happy ending for everyone. But yeah, they continue on to the Badlands, and this is quite an. In- I thought this was quite an interesting um, sort of turn that I wasn't expecting. There's uh, there's this sort of um, burial ground. Yeah, this yeah. interesting sort of burial ground, very atmospheric and foggy. And this is where the Razul live, and they'd been. They've been referenced before in the film, but I wasn't quite sure if we'd see them. But um, quite interesting um, characters here. How how would you describe these uh, these characters, Mark? Yeah, they're very low budget. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the fact that they that the burial ground concept was quite cool, but um, yeah, they're kind of like lumpy mutants. Yeah, who speak in this really camp like shrill voice. <laughs> like they look quite scary and then they speak and it's not so scary but the whole area is interesting because there's skulls and everything but then there's like tvs and old um pre-war technology and that mm. sort of thing and um it leads up to uh, one of my other favorite scenes in the film where where keela is being crucified while one of this uh razul characters just starts like chanting different TV shows. <laughs> the Flintstones, The Jetsons. That was very uh, bizarre. Jeopardy. <laughs> like the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> really weird, but um, but also quite interesting. I like that there's this sort of they're almost like a cult that worship um, pre-war technology and pre-war entertainment culture. Which I stuff, thought I yeah. thought that was quite. It was an idea too good for this film. Yeah. I, I would like to have seen that explored in another film <laughs> with with a proper you know budget. And... Guy and the child are taken back to the Reverend Mother. The guy is trussed up, and he obviously refers to this as the sperm bank. And there, there is the suggestion that she's just gonna, like I say, milk him like a like a, a farm animal hmm. for his um his procreation juice, yeah. um, <laughs> which is quite funny. And she gets all excited and like all the tubes are wobbling in her head and stuff like that. It's, it gets pretty silly. But Keela and Phoenix escape from the Razul. They liberate the the, the males uh, from the Reverend Mother. Lots of things explode. There's like a little shack here that explodes about seven times from like eight different angles. Yeah. <laughs> one of those cliched like <laughs> sort of explosions. They have time just for one more sort of showdown where Phoenix has a sort of a fight with Cobalt in what looks like a boiler room. Cobalt again mentions her ear collection. I think you get a little glimpse of a severed ear collection, which is quite fun. Mm. Phoenix ends up blowing Cobalt up 
uh, kills the mother as well. It seems quite easy to kill the Reverend Mother, which I thought was a bit of a shame. Yeah. That she would maybe have some sort of weapon or self-defense. Magic powers or something. It's just like an old woman in a chair and she gets killed. I kind of felt sorry for her a little yeah. bit. And then, yeah, the film ends with um, just Phoenix riding a horse up and down a beach. Yeah. And that's it. Like how it started. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it must have been. Yeah, kind of um, Planet of the Apes-ish as well. Mm. So there it is. She-Wolves of the Wasteland. What... What your overall thoughts on this one, Mark? Um, it was almost like too low budget to be to even feel like you're in any kind of post-apocalyptic. Mm. I mean, you could say that about Mad Max One, I guess, but I think there was uh, Mad Max was <laughs> obviously a lot better. Yeah. Um, the the plot kind of meandered around a lot, and the structure of it was kind of a bit loose at times, and I was like, <laughs> um, <laughs> don't really know what's going on. It was funny. Um, definitely mm. some good lines in it. I I like the whole Razul thing. That was quite cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> I think it can best be summed up as uh, like a porno, except no one has sex. Yeah, like it's all porno dialogue and porno outfits and um, you know porno um, dialogue and delivery of the dialogue, but no one fucks. Yeah, um, apart from that one time when the guy got a boner. Um, <laughs> oh my god, he's actually hard. Yeah, it was like all all the plot and and, and dialogue and acting abilities of, of porn stars, but in a, I guess you could say a proper film, a, a sexploitation film as as they call it. You know, mm. um, you know, girls with with big boobs firing machine guns which i'm sure is many um people's fetish particularly in america i'm sure there are videos that cater for that exclusively yeah but um you know it doesn't really sustain a feature-length film no. um there wasn't really much yeah in this that, that was interesting apart from as i say the um the amusing um boner jokes and the um yeah the razul which i would like to have seen a lot more of and a lot more explanation mm. Um, you know, just this guy uh, weird singing like names of TV shows. I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then, and then it became a much more ordinary film again after that. You know, mm. that was like a little glimmer of like maybe an interesting film, at least yeah. in a bad way. It's still an interesting idea. And um, yeah, it just never really went anywhere. <clears throat> I'd say it didn't lead to any sex. No. And it didn't lead to any sort of cinematic payoff either. <laughs> no. So, uh, what, what was the point of all this other than, yeah. It was Some um, horny teenagers looking for scantily clad women, I suppose. <laughs> it wasn't very long, but even then it felt a little dragged out in places. Sure how long this was, um, yeah. It was only it was like under an hour and a half. Oh, was it? But it was <clears throat> it felt longer than that. <laughs> they always do. Yeah. So if anyone wants to watch uh, She Wolves of the Wasteland, it is on YouTube in full, including boobs. <laughs> um so check it out before they realise and take it down. Yeah. So there we go. We will now move on to our next film. Okay, so the next film that we're going to be talking about is the uh, quite infamous, I would say, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Uh, this is also from 1988 and is, I think, maybe best known, certainly by me, for being really one of two uh, cult films involving the pro wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper. The other one, of course, being They Live. John Carpenter's They Live, which I don't think we'll ever talk about because it's obviously amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there would never be any need to mention it other than right now. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, I didn't know that this film came first. This was Roddy Piper's proper acting debut and They Live was later on in 1988. So, but the same year. The same year. Yeah, yeah. the same year. Um, so this is directed by two people, which is always a bit unusual. Um, Donald Jackson and R.J. Kaiser. Um, interestingly, Donald Jackson, looking at his um, filmography on uh, IMDb, he seems to have done a collection of films almost exclusively that are to do with um, rollerblading. So there's a film he did in 1991 called The Rollerblade 7. I think it was trying to cash in on the ninja fad and also, uh, yeah, in a futuristic society, a sword-wielding roller skater fights evil ninjas punk roller skaters <laughs> yeah uh that looks quite interesting quite trashy maybe we'll look that up one day but he did yeah the rollerblade seven legend of the rollerblade seven return of the rollerblade seven something called roller gator in which a teenage girl tries to help a small purple jive talking alligator escape the clutches of a greedy carnival owner 
that sounds pretty cool as well. So maybe we'll come back to um, to Donald Jackson because he's got a, a small but interesting um, filmography. Yeah. Uh, but as I say, it stars Roddy Piper and also Sadal Bergman, who um, seems to also have done a lot of B-movies. Oh, and uh, Conan the Barbarian she was in, I think, most prominently, and the spin-off Red Sonja. She looks a little bit like Uma Thurman in some of the shots. Yeah. But obviously not as popular, <laughs> not as so famous as I think as, uh... she was She was known for um, fantasy films like Sword and Magic type fantasy like Conan the Barbarian before this. So that's, that's her sort of background, which kind of segues into this, I think. Hmm. So the synopsis for this film, after a worldwide nuclear war with 68% specific... Of the male population was wiped out and virile men becoming a rarity, Sam Hell, a scavenger and a highly virile man, is assigned to help rescue a group of fertile women kidnapped by humanoid frogs. Did they mention the 68% thing in the film or is that just in the IMDb? I don't think they did, no. Because that is oddly specific. Yeah, I don't remember that number coming up. (laughs) It's got 5.5 in IMDb, which I think is quite high for a film that we would review here. Yeah. I love the title, Hell Comes to Frogtown, because everyone hears that and goes, oh, that's quite cool. And then when you see it, you realise it's a pun in, on a few levels. He, his name is Sam Hell, which is also yeah. a sort of a pun on like a, the what, phrase. what in the Sam Hell is yeah. going on here. So his name is Sam Hell. <laughs> Hell Comes to Frogtown. And I think I think a lot of people before they watch this, if they don't know anything about it, they assume that Frogtown is just like a name of a place. And then yeah. I personally, when I first found out about this film was surprised that no there are actually frogs in it (laughs) and they are human sized and they talk and they are puppeted and i think that's awesome i think a lesser film would just have been called frog town and had like rate just you know i think the best thing you can say about this film is that it it has interesting characters instead of the bog standard raiders mad max raiders who have you know the mohawks and the thing like this is a bunch of mutant frogs like Mm. i think that's pretty badass but um, yeah, more the, on that later. The title reminds me of Lords of Dogtown, but that was after this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and un, un, very unrelated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we get, again, very similar, the opening uh, spiel, which uh, fills you in on what's been happening during the apocalypse. Um, we are in the late 20th century. I mean, this was made in 1988. That is already the late <laughs> So what is this? It's not that futuristic, 1990, 93? <laughs> like, they haven't really gone very far ahead here, as as people don't tend to do. No. Nuclear holocaust, pictures of stock footage of bombs blowing up, the usual. Um, no mention of 68% of mankind being wiped <laughs> out, which I think is important. Yeah. Uh, and there's a great opening here where um, it opens on a Statue of Liberty, or, or, tilted to one side as a sort of Planet of the Apes reference, and then someone actually picks it up and it's just a, a toy. Yeah, I, was which in, is, I enjoyed that. Sets the tone, I think, <laughs> for the film. Like, it's it's going to be tongue-in-cheek. I think you can tell that straight away. The character that grabs the Statue of Liberty is then um, dispatched by a mysterious attacker wearing sort of a, uh, something over his face, and all you can hear is a ribbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, again, if, if you still didn't know that there were going to be literal frogs, that you'd be like, yeah. huh, interesting. <laughs> Roddy Piper is right there as soon as we get into the film, and he's um, being interrogated by some, some guy. I'm really not sure what it's all about. He's just like punching him and interrogating him. Straight away we see that um, he's wearing a very interesting cod piece or chastity <laughs> belt, which is going to be a very prominent um, yeah. feature of this film. I would say it's the main plot point of the film, this cod piece that he wears. I've called it the reverse chastity <laughs> belt because it's... <laughs> <laughs> he's meant to go fucking women and procreate yeah so. <laughs> so no matter how much the women would like to be fucked he can't do it which is usually yeah the opposite way around so you're right a reverse a chastity cod piece let's call it <laughs> so he's there and then um he's liberated by these two sort of nurses that come in and they work for a, a sort of a, a corporation called medtech not really yeah. clear whether this is an evil corporation or not. But, Sounds um, like something from Mass Effect or something. Yeah, <laughs> but um, straight away we, we get the idea from when they interrupt that the, the, the guy that was doing the interrogating is like, ah, oh, there are too many women nowadays running the world, which I think is something you hear people say like 
all the time, you know, misogynists yeah. would say that now, wouldn't they? Oh, it's too many women in jobs and too many <laughs> women in power. Like that's modern modern misogynist. But so he play he plays that role. Too many women leaving the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he's that sort of archaic character. It's nice to see in the apocalypse that that's out of date. Yeah, and, and quite weird. You know? Yeah, that this is our sort of indication that again, women rule. Basically, the mission is that um, Roddy Piper, Sam Hell, has to agree to accompany these women on this mission to uh, go to Frogtown and liberate lots of um, fertile women, <laughs> is the idea. This sort of uh, harem of, uh, of fertile women. Um, but he must wear this chastity belt along the way because he is not allowed to do any fucking until they have liberated these women, and that's what the dick, the sperm is being. And they've done all the calculations of the sperm of Tozer, whatever it's called. Um, they know his dick better than he does. Um, they know what the plan is here. So off they go in this um, fantastic vehicle, which is sort of a, I'm not sure what it is, like a mini type looking, like a beetle looking van, uh, <laughs> bright pink uh, with like a machine turret on the top of it, which is manned by this character called um, Sentinella, I think. It's probably the toughest <clears throat> badass woman yeah with her little turret on the top of the car yeah yeah i did like that character a lot he is to be accompanied by uh spangle or i can't remember what her title is perhaps uh, captain spangle or something (laughs) she is this sort of blonde woman with her hair up and and massive uh, glasses and you you know obviously where that's going um but she is played by uh, sadal bergman and she is going to be uh, be accompanying him to make sure that uh, he he maintains a state of arousal, but not too aroused. <laughs> it's this fine line. Basically, they need to keep him horny the the entire way <laughs> so that he's ready to go when they when they liberate these women. Very strange. Um, I guess they don't want him to blow his load too soon. I guess yeah, it's precious cargo <laughs> he's got in his in his metal cod piece. It, I mean, it's a bizarre plot. To yeah, be fair. it is it weird. Is. And this, this it, we learn that Frogtown is ruled by this um, Commander Toady. Straight away, um, Sam tries to escape the nearest chance he gets, and then as soon as he, like the Running Man, <laughs> as soon as he gets a little bit far away, beep 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 yeah. beep, beep beep beep, and then uh, the first of many hilarious um, facial expressions with which to convey, "Ow, my." <laughs> Junk is being electrocuted um, by Roddy Piper, you know, in his first acting role, you know. Yeah. Lots of experience in pro wrestling, of course, of pretending that he's hurt, you know. Yeah. I think that come in handy because he sells this uh, this dick electrocution um, perfectly every time. He goes cross-eyed, <laughs> you know, it's, it's fantastic. So he realises that he's essentially electronically tethered to uh, Spangle. Something to do with her earrings. Yeah. <laughs> She's got these little white earrings. And if he gets too far away... His dick will blow up. And her, um, and her earrings will come off. And her earrings will come off. And if he gets too aroused, his dick will blow up. Yeah. And if she gets too aroused, his dick will blow up. <laughs> so there's lots of measures in place to ensure that nobody has sex. Um, or even um, close to uh, to any kind of fun time. <laughs> some, some quite bizarre parameters here. <laughs> <laughs> this must be this must be someone's sexual fantasy. One of these writers. It, it's bizarre. Um, so he he has to keep it in his pants. They have they've clarified there is a flap with which to go to the toilet. Yeah, that, he yeah. asks, doesn't he? And he does. She's like, yeah, you but can... um, but it's also made clear that this this is not to um, this is not to accommodate a boner, because um, <laughs> if you do get a boner, you dick will blow up. So yeah. The, the answer to many questions in this film is your dick will blow up. <laughs> <laughs> so don't even bother. Don't even try it. Oh, and this this is demonstrated, of course, by um, uh, Spangle uh, coming out of her tent wearing um, sexy camouflage military lingerie. Yeah. Like a little bikini that's camouflaged with like a little like utility um, belt on it and stuff <laughs> like that. And she's like, yeah, come on, let's do it. He's like... Oh, what? So that's how we find out that no no one is allowed to uh, to be horny in, in the future. <laughs> no one is horny. But along the way, they find this sort of feral um, woman wandering in the wastelands who is, um, she does tests on this. Bangle does tests and discovers she's extremely fertile. So this is a great opportunity to um, warm up for the big seven or eight women that he's going to 
gonna fuck later in the film. It gets a bit rapey, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this this is this is problematic because um, Spangle sedates her with a syringe in her ass, and then the next scene she's just lying on the floor like out of it, and Spangle is encouraging Sam Hell to, well, go on then, have a go. I'm now I'm now permitting you to um, you know, to to go at it. And he gives a variety of um, excuses why he wouldn't want to do that, such as there's no atmosphere or I can't just get it on with, um, you know, a woman in the middle of, uh, of a mutant wasteland. But none, and during none of these excuses does he mention I, I'd rather not have sex with a heavily drugged woman, <laughs> yeah. which I think is an issue. Um, I'd rather not carry out date with <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the post apocalypse. You know, maybe standards are different, but um, <laughs> I would like to him to mention that maybe. But but uh, yeah, I'm not sure what happens here. No, I think he does. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does have sex with her. The next morning, magically, she can now talk perfect English and is wearing a lovely clean uh, pink jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And Spangle puts a, a tracking device on her wrist and goes, "There you go." You've been um, you've been sorted out now. You'll be picked up by a med tech uh, scouts or whatever. You you've been you have been fertilized. You, know? <laughs> you are now you will become pregnant. Surely you will become pregnant. So very awkward sex scene, <laughs> particularly as 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 he's assaulting her. Spangle is um, trying to do a, some sort of sexy dance in her underwear again, but she's like writhing around and it's it's weird. It's just weird. Yeah, mm. weird sex scene. So this now um, leads to the next portion of the film where uh, the plan is, much like Star Wars, Spangle is going to pretend to be a slave and Sam Hell is going to pretend to be in charge of her and lead her into, into Frogtown to, uh, to avoid any suspicion. Um, they do enter Frogtown and this is a first look at the mutant frogs. You, you enter a bar where um, you know some people have the prosthetic sort of humanoid faces. There's a frog stripper. With a re- then they do a really slow crawl from the from the legs up to the the middle, and you're like, oh oh oh, ah oh, no, yeah. she's a frog, and uh, even this uh, this sort of um, frog wearing affairs with a full puppet's head. What what did you think of the um, the practical effects on these these frog? It's just hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> even when they were weren't you, were doing anything, I was... was it what you were expecting? Well, I know it sounds stupid, but when it was called. Well, I think this is what you said as well. I didn't expect Frogtown to contain frogs. No. I thought it was no. just going to be like... The name. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so, and yeah, I just I, I just found them hilarious. And it's surprisingly literal. Yeah. <laughs> not just their dialogue, but they would just make like these noises all the time. They'd just be like... <laughs> yeah. Just like laughed at it every time. Yeah. It was really funny. And I think it was meant to be most of the time. Um, there's sort of, I think there's sort of a quite a clear division between the um, people who clearly are actors who have the prosthetic makeup on their own faces, and then obviously these people that are wearing uh, puppet heads, mm. and you can tell like, and it's really impressive. I don't know who did the puppetry work, but the you look at the close-ups of the the, the frog-headed people, and like there are like like their neck is sort of pulsing and there'll be parts of their head that's just sort of bubbling up and they're blinking sideways and up and down and yeah. their tongue is sort of it's like must be a good like four or five people just working the heads of these characters which I think is an impressive amount of uh, of effort hmm. and like you said they, they didn't have to have like humanoid frogs in this no <laughs> it, it could have just been raiders you know yeah. but i really like that they did because it really makes it stand out against all of this other you know and there are a lot more mad max ripoffs than this as you can probably imagine you know dozens and dozens of them and i think this often stands out on this because people are like well it's got roddy piper and it's got like giant frogs you know what's uh, what's not to love yeah but um yeah, this this there's this frog wearing a sort of a linen suit and a fez who is sort of a yeah, <laughs> I guess a merchant sort of character. He he gives him some radioactive cause beer, and then we get one of my absolute favourite characters. And to what you were saying about funny noises, a character called Bull. That's right, Bull Frog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah comes in and like you say straight away, this guy just makes these noises like. <laughs> I'm sure it's not in the scripts. Like whoever's doing the voice for this guy is brilliant because it's just yeah stuff like, <laughs> and someone's talking to him and he just goes, "Shut your hole!" <laughs> and like super over the top like villain. Yeah. And I loved it. I thought he was better than the actual villain than General Toady. 
Um, really it, funny. Do you think that was meant to be uh, comedic, that part? <laughs> or... <laughs> it's a good question, what how, what percentage of this film is meant to be comedic? I mean, you, I don't know. I think the director of this is one of those guys, much like uh, you know Tommy Wiseau and the guy that did Troll 2, that uh, maybe didn't intend it to be that funny when he made it, but as soon as he yeah. realised, he's like, oh, yeah, of course. you know, it's Like a lot of bad movies. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of bad movie directors, they instantly... Um, make the make the turn and they're like well of course it's a, it's a comedy of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're laughing oh then it's a comedy yes uh <laughs> but yeah but this character is amazing everything he does everything he says is just um hilarious they do capture spangle and of course because she gets further and further away from sam hell incoming dick explosion <laughs> boop, 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 boop. so um sam uh, explains to uh the uh, frog stripper, I forget her name. She's it's quite a funny scene where she's throwing herself at him and he's not interested because she has the face of a mutant frog. <laughs> Although quite good legs. Yeah. <laughs> she's, must, she's wearing must. these gloves and this makeup on her face, but her legs are just normal human legs. Yeah, and they're like... They're not... She's not like... Yeah, they're just like nice legs. Like, <laughs> sounds a bit weird, but I mean, they didn't make no, them. No, no, like, that's what I thought. They like, didn't make them like grim or anything. No, like. no, she had like fishnets on. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was meant to. I think it was meant to um, create a sort of a, a conflicted uh, feeling in, the, in the, the viewers of this film. Like, um, well, does have the face of a frog, but what can we do about that? Well, and well, <laughs> Sam Hell has an idea. Yeah. <laughs> He uh, hands her a, a burlap sack to pop on her head. Um, although this is just so he can escape, he's he's not going to um, interfere with this with this frog woman. And she she's she's like, is this how you like it or something like that? <laughs> yes, it's a kink I have. <laughs> Sam also gets captured around this point as well, and there's uh, this is a really good scene where it really cuts between um, cuts between Sam being chained up by Bull. Uh, who's going to take a chainsaw to his codpiece and Spangle being sort of uh, tied up and laid on a table while all the fertile women, the concubines, sort of basically try and turn her on. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, Bull is is sort of, I'm going to I'm gonna chainsaw your codpiece off and Sam Hell's like, well, you shouldn't do that. It'll blow up if you do that. <laughs> But then cut back to Spangle and um, she's like, what's going on here? And like, oh, we're preparing you for the ceremony, the ceremony of the three snakes. She's like, okay. And then like the more they, so they just sort of like waft like chiffon over her and like b- blow on her and are just like quite dreamy and, uh, and, and you know, uh, just... It's getting quite bizarre at this point. It's getting quite steamy, basically. Yeah. It's getting, once we're going back into sort of Playboy territory. But there, slowly but surely, you see Spangle starts to sweat more and more. Heavy breathing. <laughs> and then close up of the earring. And then cut back to Sam. And then beep, 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 beep. So he realises somewhere Spangle is having a, having fun. Um, so he says, no, no, please chainsaw off my codpiece, please. Um so he does. So he's finally free of the uh, of, of the chastity belt, which leads us straight on to the aforementioned dance of the three snakes. Now it, it took me a long time to remember or realize what this was a reference to. I don't know how long it took you, but um, she is doing a dance for Commander Toady, and not a very sexy dance. She maybe this is part of her character. She's she's actually not sexy, and she doesn't know what that is because every time she does a dance, it's weird. Yeah. Um, not erotic, which is what you know. Obviously, what she's meant to be doing in this scenario. But um, then she starts to do a weird dance, and um, the more it builds, Toadie is is. And again, we get great close-ups of this frog head, and the more he gets a bit worked up, the more the, you can you can sort of feel the puppeteers sort of pumping at some bladders <laughs> or something to make his head bumps expand. What what is going to happen here? And just when you think it can't get any weirder, close up of his crotch, and yes, three, yeah. three little frog penises <laughs> bulging, around. start bulging and bobbing. <laughs> and um, what I really like here is that um, when he finally is like, "Right, let's do this," um, it goes towards her. We we don't see it because I think I don't know how you could do that, but he just lifts up his kind of loincloth to show her, and she looks in one direction. Then in another direction, <laughs> and then in a third direction, she completely sells this 
tripod frog genitals in a way which I don't think would have been better if they had shown you. And I don't know what the rules are about showing frog dicks in films. <laughs> There's probably not a precedent for that. Um, but yeah, you don't see the three snakes, rather. You just see her reaction to them. And then the idea that this is a, a, a mutant frog that has three penises and Maybe that's why he's in charge. <laughs> you know, whoever has the most dicks wins, I guess. And then on the same on the same note as her reaction, <laughs> she kicks him three times. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> One kick in each dick. The triple dick kick. I love it. I think that's great. She escapes with the concubines and um, and Sam as well. Um, the character sentinella who i think is just kind of neglected for a long time in the film like like you i really liked her at the beginning you know she was a badass sort of like a vasquez character from yeah, aliens like just she came back towards the end and, and, like, and she she wasn't interested in sex at all which no. i thought it was, it was nice there was at least one woman who wasn't interested in fucking him <laughs> there wasn't yeah um, all the women in the film were looking at him like oh my god he's like the most beautiful man in the world <laughs> the rowdy one yeah but she wasn't, and I, yeah, I, w- I would like to have a bit more of her, but she at least has a great line here where she uh, pulls up in her pink car to rescue them and says, hurry up, I'm double parked here. She's <laughs> <laughs> great. And then, at long last, I didn't know if we were even going to get one of these in this film, but we get an actual, uh, you know, Road Warrior-style um, car chase, you know, finally. Only two cars, so it's not, it's not like Mad Max 2 epic territory or yeah. even... Um, Phoenix the Warrior crappy beach buggy territory but um, yeah it's just them in their little sort of pink um, pickup truck being chased by um, Commander Toadie in his sort of um, makeshift tank sort of buggy um, so it's not the most impressive Mad Max epic road fight but obviously I think they've blown their budget on the frog puppets at this point, <laughs> yeah. so I'm alright with that <laughs> climactic car chase and then I didn't really like this bit. It sort of all kind of settles down again, and they're um, they're intercepted by a mysterious character with a gas mask, and then he takes it off, and he's like, "Yes, it's me." And I'm like, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah. And then the more he talks, the more you realise he was the guy from the beginning of the film who was yeah. interrogating Roddy Piper, who was not mentioned at all since the first two minutes <laughs> or scene, and you're like. I don't remember this guy. I don't know what is. No one issue. cares about no, this guy anymore. No, why is why is he here? I, the only reason I could think of is because he's got a rocket launcher, and Sam needs the rocket launcher to confront Commander Toadie. He's just there to be killed, hmm. and have his rocket launcher stolen. That's the only thing I could think of. But yeah, Sam does confront Commander Toadie. Uh, they end up having a fist fight, which is obviously quite comical because it's a pro wrestler punching a giant toad in the head even gives them a trademark sort of dirty uh, eye poke to the face, a classic yeah. wrestling move. <laughs> and yeah, eventually just um, knocks him off of a cliff. And then that's the end of uh, Commander Toadie. And then basically Sam Hell sort of drives off into the sunset with this truck full of like eight women that he's going to fuck. Yeah. That he has to fuck. Actually, <laughs> he actually, what I quite like is... And he's he, quite, he's kind of like, oh, he's well, quite, I guess. He's, so. Yeah, I, I, do, I do like that throughout the film... He's kind of not that interested in fucking everybody. <laughs> I, perhaps because if you were one of the only men left in the world, there's still a lot of sexism in it. But I think it's an interesting reversal that there's like, it's a guy that all the women are trying to fuck and he's not really into it, but they're still harassing yeah. him. And it's, it's. And he's like, well, if I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they always say they bungle it. It's not quite. It's not quite spot on, you know, social mm. commentary, but um, it's an interesting reversal where obviously usually in films it's a bunch of guys trying to fuck women and harassing them. And in this, you know, he's not he's not gung-ho all the time, he, you know. Sometimes he's like, oh, I'm really not sure if I'm in the mood or, you know, <laughs> you're a mutant frog, I'm not really into that. Um <laughs> And then he looks at the eight women behind him and he's like, I've got to do my, you've got to do your duties. He's like, oh my God, I don't know. Like, it's just a lot of, a lot of, I, I just like that he's not, he's not super horny. He yeah. is a bit like, like. He's not like sexually aggressive. No, or, no. Or like, or like, like, he would just want one woman really and just, just stick with that, you know. Yeah. So I did like that element. And he's like, well, all right then, let's go. <laughs> so they drive <laughs> off and there you go. They, they um, repopulate the earth, presumably. So that is. Hell comes to Frogtown. What were your overall thoughts on this one, Mark? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. There were a lot of good lines in it. The frog people were just funny even when they weren't talking. Just like 
the way they looked and the way they made weird yeah. noises um a lot of effort into the puppets yeah, yeah. and uh <laughs> that whole whenever i saw him in that chastity belt thing i just <laughs> you know it's, it comes up several times oh, and each like time all the just, time all the time yeah it, it just made me laugh every time because it's just <laughs> such a ridiculous yeah. like, thing yeah um it's kind of cool that it was like you know government property on it the and, property uh, of med medco or uh, whatever med it was yeah yeah, yeah. um I like that kind of... Uh, like your your dick is belongs to us. You yeah. signed, signed your dick away in the contract. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely had a, a slightly higher budget than, um, yeah. <laughs> than yeah. She-Wolves, but it was still... Um, it's definitely definitely bad enough to be in this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I actually... I actually I, it was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, doing the research for this show, really, when you, when you look at li- top 10 lists of top 10 Mad Max rip-offs... Um, usually one and two are interchangeable. It's usually either this or Waterworld, mm. which we've obviously done before on the podcast, yeah. um, and we 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 both really enjoyed. So, um, yeah, it's those two films that are the top tier of of, uh, of Mad Max ripoffs, and and actually, in the case of Waterworld, that was not a low budget. That was, mm. uh, like the highest budget of all time. You know, we discussed <laughs> that obviously at the time. It was uh, it was one of the biggest budgets ever, um, and obviously this film isn't. But like you say, it still does a lot with what it has. I think it all went on the on the the makeup and the um, the puppetry and and that sort of thing. And I mm. think it was worth it because you know why try and compete with Mad Max or you know the Road Warriors epic sort of uh, ten or fifteen thing car chases just have some like cool frogs instead. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, it's something that Mad Max doesn't do, you know, and. Um, you know why? Why not in the apocalypse? You know, have have things that mutate into different things. I mean, it's not the first uh, film to have you know uh, gigantic animals that have been mutated. You know, by yeah. nuclear fallout. You look obviously Godzilla, them with the giant ants. You know, it's uh, there's been a few a few films like that. But um, yeah, I really like this film. Um, I think it's it stands up to. Um, Maybe maybe you could put it side by side with a Mad Max three. Uh, let's yeah. say that <laughs> in terms of its quality and its and its cheesiness. But yeah, I mean, just the who the fuck came up with this crazy plot? Like it's <laughs> it's insane. Like just frogs, them. just human frogs would have been mental. Yeah. But also the cod piece, <laughs> um, the combination of the two is just really quite original. Yeah. Um, you won't really see much else like this. And even in things like um, She-Wolves, where there's a lot of question of repopulation, fertility, I think that there's still a unique gimmick having this, this cod piece as well. I'd never actually heard of this film before. Um, <clears throat> and then I didn't know it had Roddy Piper in it until the credits came up. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Because I love They Live, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's pretty much the only two. And this was made the, uh, made the same year, so I was like, oh, cool. Um, but I'm not sure if he was as good in this as he was in They Live. <laughs> no. They Live is weird because he doesn't have much dialogue. Yeah, that's um, true. And he's obviously, it's a John Carpenter film, the, yeah. the greatest director yeah. ever. Um, so I think um, it's what he doesn't say in They Live that makes him great, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just the odd, you know, chew bubble gum and kick ass and those sorts of things, yeah. you know. Uh, obviously, this is not as iconic, but he still has some really funny lines that are delivered really, really funny as well. Mm. So yeah, great film, worth your time. It is on Amazon Prime. We watched it on there. Um, so go go check it out for Mad Max plus Codpiece plus Frogs. <laughs> it's the recipe. So if you are looking for similar films to these, obviously I came across a lot of them doing the research for this. Um, there is I nearly picked a film called Steel Dawn, which has Patrick Swayze in it, mm. which came out the same year as... Um, Dirty Dancing, maybe, or whatever his big big breakthrough was. He did a ropey, a ropey sort of um, post-apocalyptic kind of samurai type film. Late Sounds eight, late eighties as well, was mm, it? Mid mid maybe, mid. Yeah, 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 like around the time of like Roadhouse, and he oh, also yeah. did a film called Red Dawn, which perhaps people confuse with it. But yeah, Steel Dawn, I've not seen that. Looks kind of interesting. Yeah, there's stuff like there's another film. What's the one called? Twenty nineteen after the fall of New York, <laughs> which I love. That that title's great. I mean, we're at twenty twenty one now. Yeah. <laughs> at least they planned twenty thirty years into the future. Like fair fair play. Uh, there's that one as well. Waterworld, of course. We we've reviewed that before. We love that as well. Um, 
the Mad Max trilogy, of course. If you're going <laughs> to watch the Mad Max ripoff, you should have already seen Mad Max. They're three awesome films, particularly number two, The Road Warrior, I think is is the best of the of the of the trilogy. But um, I don't know about you, Mark, but I, I personally I, I prefer Fury Road probably the best out of all yeah, of Yeah, it's kind of just... So the action epic. is just so intense. Yeah. And, like, the cinematography... Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's just... They could never have made that in the 80s, obviously. No, exactly. Because of the effects and the way technology has come The on, extremely but... big budget that it's got compared to the old Mad Max. It's like, is, when, is... usually when you hear someone's going to go back to make, like, a fourth film or a sequel after 20 years, you're like, ah. Oh, why bother you know but mm. then when i saw that i was like holy shit this is huge and it's still the scope um, what's you know? his name who directed it um, uh george miller yeah 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 just came back like 30 exact like 30 years after yeah. mad max 3 he did like it? mad max films then he did like babe pig in the city then he yeah. did like happy feet the animated yeah, painting. that's so weird <laughs> <laughs> and then like he got to like maybe 50 and he was like I want like an insanely violent post-apocalyptic <laughs> film. Let's just do that again. You know, it's so, it's so strange. Um, in, I mean, in a weird way, if you look at the plot of Fury Road, there are parallels to both of these films, especially mm. Hell Comes to Frogtown, because in Fury Road, Max is accompanied by, obviously, Furiosa, Charlie's Theron's character, but also three or four like brides or concubines yeah. straight out of Hell Comes to Frogtown. Yeah. So in a weird way, like it all came full circle because... These Mad Max ripoffs that put the emphasis on fertility and procreation ended up being a, sort of a big plot point of, of Fury Road in the end. So mm. that's kind of interesting. So, Mark, if you had to um, take one of these films off into the wilderness and um, make sweet, sweet love to it, <laughs> and if you had to lock one away in a giant metal cod piece which one would you procreate with and make more of and which one would you lock up under threat of a uh, dick explosion <laughs> i would lock away she wolves of the wasteland and i would well this sounds weird i would make love to <laughs> how it comes to frog down um, wow. <laughs> it was just more entertaining it was funnier it was um just kind of uh, the plot was slightly better structured <laughs> even though the plot was weird i just mean the pacing of it was better yeah um the pacing was all over the place in the well, <laughs> in, in um she wolves it's just yeah, kind of like yeah. what's going on now and like yeah. just babe babes and bikinis and yeah yeah it was a bit all over the place no, um enough, yeah i much preferred um hell comes to frog down yeah even though it was ridiculous it's not it's obviously a bad film but yeah it's, uh, same and i and i think clearly even if you don't quite believe directors when they say this i think there must have been an intention of comedy in hell comes to frogtown isn't yeah. it or at the very least satire or you know some sort of slapstick you know the 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 focus on the cod piece and the dick exploding like that's that could only be funny like there's mm. no other no other way yeah so i i think it doesn't take itself uh, you know nearly as seriously it has a better budget and better effects and it has these very unique um, you know, humanoid frog characters, which really you don't get in any other film to that sort of level. Um, so yeah, Hell Comes to Frog Town, I, I would agree, is the, the best of the, the post-apocalyptic uh, Mad Max films. Um, talking of procreating with Frog Town and making more of them, they did make a few more, in fact. They made oh, wow. Frog Town <laughs> 2, uh, which was released in 1992, only had a 3 in IMDb. <laughs> um, in the sequel to Hell Comes to Frogtown, the mutant frog leader of Frogtown kidnaps the professor and forces him to make a serum that will turn everyone into frogs. <laughs> they also kidnap some people to test the serum on, and courageous Sam Hell will have to save them. <laughs> As you can well imagine, did not feature Roddy Piper, who had gone back to wrestling, but did feature Robert Zadar as Sam Hell, who uh, many people know as the man with the biggest jaw in all of uh, in all wow. of action films, uh, he was in Maniac Cop, Tango and Cash. You ever see a guy in a film with the most enormous jaw? That's Robert Zadar. So there you go. He was Sam Hell in that one, and Doctor Spangle made a return. And also, there was a film called The Toad Warrior. Oh, that one's one point eight. Well, that's a, obviously a rip-off of <laughs> Road Warrior. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realise that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I like it more now. Um, and in that one, the earth is being swept by a toad plague. Enter the lone samurai Max Hell. Maybe the son of. The earth's last hope to save the planet from the mad clutches of Mickey O'Malley. 
So they called it the Toad Warrior, and they put the name Max in it as well. In it as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they've gone too far with that one. <laughs> looks like it's got some. Uh, looks like it's got some models in it. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a film star. <laughs> Surely not. Yeah. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, so there you go. So it's like some lovely ladies in that one, and um, yeah. You can't see what we're talking about, but just look it up on IMDb. <laughs> look up the Toad Warrior. It's been an interesting cast. Um, so there you go. They made a few more, a few more Frogtown themed ones, but obviously no more, uh, no more She Wolves, no more Phoenix, as far as I know. Yeah. So there you go. That is uh, our post-apocalyptic special. Um, if you. Uh, want to get in touch with us you can do so let us know if you've seen either of these films what do you think of them what's your favorite mad max ripoff um we will we will let you know what we think of it or maybe include it on a future episode get in touch on facebook instagram and twitter at schlock tactics and give us a follow follow the podcast on uh, wherever you get your podcasts and you'll be notified when we release a new episode obviously this is the first one since october but we hope to be a bit more regular now that we can yeah, now we can meet up a bit more, so we will uh, hopefully be back soon with another episode. And yeah, give us a review on iTunes, because that's always helpful as well. But this has been another episode of Schlock Tactics. My name has been Ash, and I've been joined by Mark. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.